This is Rick Doc Walker, the DOC. This is John Kime, and you're listening to the Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Mess Hall. It's your boy, Tailgate Ted, joined as always by my man, Rally Captain. What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone had a nice Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And uh, hey, man, let's jump right into this thing. Oh, yeah, man, we, we got to get right to it. But real quick, man, I just I want to thank everyone that has actually hit us back. We had a ton of feedback last week, whether it was on Twitter, whether it was people on Facebook, people sliding into DMs, slightly awkward, but much appreciated. You know, it's other than one person that sent something to one of us privately, it's all been phenomenal, man. Well, you know what? And I appreciate the good and the one bad that uh, we've had thus far. So, you know, I take it all in like you and all it does is it makes us better. And that's what it's all about, making us better to be able to give content to our loyal listeners. Oh, amen. Amen. I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate everyone that has clicked subscribe, that has left a review. Sending us messages is awesome. And it gets right to rallying me. Leaving reviews on iTunes, on Spotify, clicking on those things helps the show just move up the charts. So when other people are searching for podcasts to listen to, our name is slowly but surely moving up those ranks as you guys play it all the way through, listen and review. So we really appreciate that. But with that being said, let's just jump right into it, man. Hell yeah, let's do it. So Dan Snyder. Dan is not appearing in front of the House Committee. So as Rally and I record this, it is Tuesday afternoon. For those of you that listen to this, it'll be Wednesday. The committee hearing is Wednesday morning. Roger Goodell has actually decided that he's going to show up via Zoom, but Dan is actually in Cannes. So he is in the French Riviera right now, hanging out. People tracked his boat via an internet tracking service and his yacht, the Lady S, is docked at Cannes in the moment. And the Richmond Times-Dispatch actually found out that his private plane landed in Nice on June 4th, and that Tanya Snyder's private plane, yes, they both have their own private jet, has also been in Europe the past month. The fact that both of them have their own private jet, I mean, my wife and I have one car, we don't have two. Maybe that's just because, you know, we live in DC, we don't have a ton of room, but the fact that these two have their own private jet and that people are now tracking the tail numbers of the jet to see is he gonna make a surprise appearance or what's gonna happen is just hilarious to me. Man, well, let me say this first off, Ted. I'm one to never count what's in somebody else's pocket. That's first off, because it is what it is, brother. Some people have it, some people don't. Second thing is this, I tell you, technology is so good and so bad. <laughs> I don't need somebody tracking me on my every movements, man. I mean, come on, my goodness. But but I understand because you got a lot of people out here who want to know 
what the man is doing. We don't want to hear any excuses of why you aren't where you need to be. Don't want to don't want to hear it all at all. Don't want to hear it at all. Oh, I, I get that. And we all knew he wasn't going to show up. It's just I remember back in the day I had a buddy that worked at Dulles Airport and Dan's private jet is out there at a hangar. We would track when they were coming and going. And, you know, I'm sure that statute of limitations is done by now on that. But you remember tracking Dan's jet during those high price free agent days on where is he now? Who's he talking to? Who's he going to go sign? Now we're tracking his jet to see, is he really out of the country? And last I checked, you know, I, I've been to Paris when we played in London years ago. The wife and I actually went to Paris after the fact. They have internet in France. So the fact that Goodell is going to zoom in, I know why Dan's not doing it, why he wasn't advised to do it. But the excuse that he is at a prior engagement that could not be changed is a little just piss poor to me. Well, I agree with you. And it's like the January 6th hearings, and I'm not going to delve too deep into it, but just to give you a little example of what I'm talking about, a lot of that stuff's pre-recorded. So you're hearing it, but it's not the exact same date. So, you know, I don't want to hear it either, man. The fact of the matter is we know the real deal. He doesn't want to get caught up in a lie. Or he doesn't want to be caught up in something and say, well, on this date, you said this, but now you're saying that. So it, it just looks bad. And, and truthfully, man, I, I wish we could move on from this. But each week, it seems as though we can't get out of our own way. And I'm not even going to say we as a team, the owner can't get out of his own way. No, he really can't. And, you know, I really feel that his attorney is advising him to wait this out. Everyone feels, and just the fact that we live in Washington, D.C., so we get politics probably more than other people do around the country. But the fact that we live in D.C., they're saying that the House committee, just the House and Congress and Senate, is going to go from being democratically majority to Republican, based upon things going on. And the Republicans don't have a problem with what the House committee is investigating Dan Snyder for. They're very public about it, saying that this is kind of a witch hunt and they're going after this and it's outside of their kind of purview and jurisdiction, if you will. So the thought is it's an election year for those individuals. Come November, all of this is going to flip and the people in charge of the House committee now are no longer going to be in charge. So the people that take over aren't going to care to investigate this anymore. And if that is the strategy that Snyder and his attorneys are going for, it makes sense. But the public perception, and for some, perception is a reality, you're guilty. You don't want to perjure yourself in front of Congress and everyone that's going to watch this thing. So you're just going to hang out and pretend that you're in the Cannes Film Festival because back in 2019, there was a story where Dan went there to look for a potential partner for naming rights for the stadium. He denied that report back then, but now if someone were to come up with that report, I can see him nodding his head and giving two thumbs up immediately just to try and you know, blow this off his back, if you will. 
man, he's got a target on his back. And no matter what he says, the target is there and it moves with him. I mean, there's no way around it. The fact of the matter is, at some point in time, we all got to pay the piper. It may not be on my time. It may not be on your time or anybody else's time. But the man's got to pay the piper. And at some point in time, it's, it, you know, they say the one who has the most money wins. Sometimes the one who has the most money can lose as well. I've seen it happen. We've seen it happen. You know, you think that just because you've got the big bucks that it can get you out of everything, that doesn't always happen. And I'm here to tell you, as, as a low-level, you know, person on low on the food chain, sometimes we want to see the big man go down. And a lot of fans right now are totally upset with him. And I'm not going to say the organization, but it's him. And because he's at the helm of the organization, they feed that into it. So it's like you can't you can't get rid of both of them. So but we can get rid of one. I think we may be all right. But who knows if and when that will ever happen, man. And I'm not calling for Dan to be removed. I just I want the truth, whatever that truth may be, whatever the committee is investigating or whatever comes out of the new report, the second report, that's not just going to be an oral report. I just want the truth. And that's all I care about. You've got a lot of fans that were yelling and screaming things just because they hate the man so much they want him out. No one can kick Dan out of the boys club other than the other NFL owners. And they need 23 of the owners to all agree to vote him out of the league. So are there 23 other owners that don't have any other skeletons in their closet, don't have any other things that Dan or other people can pull up on them that are going to get them in trouble? I mean, the saying is people in glass houses don't throw stones or something of that effect. You know? <laughs> well, wait a minute. Am I hearing you correctly? And, may, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're saying that that even if the man is guilty, you don't mind him still being the owner, even though is that what I'm hearing you say? No, it has nothing to do if they find him guilty of that or anything else. It's 23 of the owners have to vote him out. So if he is guilty of, you know, sexual harassment, whatever it may be, if he's guilty of something illegal that they find, then that gives more power to 23 of those owners to remove him. So the truth, whatever it may be, shall set him free or shall basically lock him away and throw away the key. But until that happens, I am just tired of the speculation. There's just been so many things over the years. I remember getting text messages about people that heard about Snyder being linked to Jeffrey Epstein and that whole just blasphemy campaign that came out that Snyder ended up suing, I think it was a paper in Israel over the defamation. And it yeah. wasn't true, but yeah. people wanted to believe it so much that they ran with it and they spread it like wildfire. That's not me. I, I just, I'm not for Snyder gossip. We said last episode, you know, we've met Mrs. Snyder. She's a great person and I would not wish any of this on her. All I wish is for the truth to come out and for this to just finally end for us as a fan base. 
Well, unfortunately, though, Ted, I don't think that the truth is going to come out. We've they've they've been shielded so much to where we don't know what's factual and non-factual. And like you, we're forced fed this stuff to make us believe one thing when in all actuality, it could be something else. But preponderance of evidence dictates that there's more than than nothing going on here. It's just a matter of who, who has the cojones to really say, all right, enough's enough, you're gone. That's what it boils down to. That's well, what I, I, I agree with you. And Roger Goodell has started to distance himself from the commanders because this House committee has reached out multiple times saying that you guys are not giving us what we requested. We asked for a bunch of things. Roger Goodell and the NFL came back and said, we have given you everything we have. If there's a holdup, it's on the commanders. So that was one kind of thorn in the side, if you will, that Goodell is kind of trying to put himself at arm's length from Dan and the commanders, even though he is paid by the NFL owners. You know, keep that in mind. The second, Goodell is actually going to show up. So he's going to be there. And I have no doubt he is going to say what he needs to say to protect the shield. I also feel that he knows that this committee is out for blood and it is easy to pick on Dan. And I do think that Goodell is going to throw them a couple of bones in different comments that may not bode too well for Dan. Well, okay. It may not bode too well for them, but they won't be that damaging where people say okay you know i knew it let's get rid of him now no man because like you said he's his boss at the end of the day he's going to sugarcoat it as best as he possibly can to make sure that he still has an employee come on man this is that we all know that and that's what i guess bothers me the most i understand that you got to protect your people I, I i get it i get it but at some point in time, someone's got to say something else beside, some, besides just the little nugget here or there that won't ultimately amount to anything. I'm tired of little nuggets. If something's going to happen, either we're going to get the full chip ahoy or leave it alone. And at this point, I think all we're going to get is just a little chip ahoy and it won't mean anything and it will be right back to square one and you'll have the the, uh, the dirt divers looking for more dirt to try to bring it up. At some point in time, unless you've got some something that's real, and I'm not, and before I go any further, I'm not trying to say what they have isn't real. Before anybody says that I'm trying to shed light on or, or not give the women their props or their due or what happened to them, because I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that right now they are making it to where yeah, he did something, but we really don't think it's that bad. Because if they thought it was that bad, the other owners would go ahead and do what they needed to do. So I feel that they just need to either finally have bring the hammer down with some true evidence, or you're going to have to leave it alone at some point in time, man. And I don't think it's going to ever be left alone because clicks – you know, websites, people get paid for those. We are a hungry fan base that is itching for 
any news around Dan. Because like I said earlier, people just want him removed from his seat of power. So if somebody writes anything, they're going to spread it and people are going to ingest it. Jason Friedman is a friend of mine. I have known Jason for a long time. You know, some of those women that are featured in the Washington Post articles, some of them were good friends of mine until yeah. a lot of this started to happen. We talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Some of them are now attacking me for their sake. I want the truth to come out for Jason's sake. I want the truth to come out and whatever that may be, who knows? Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't think it's going to happen because people signed NDAs and those NDAs are in place and they have been screaming to be let out of these NDAs. For those that don't know, an NDA is a non-disclosure agreement. You are not allowed to talk about things that happen when you worked here. That is commonplace in different jobs, depending on what you do. I have a non-disclosure agreement at my big boy job. And when I meet with clients and different people, I'm not allowed to talk about what they do. It's just the nature of business. So until those are thrown out or these people are let out of those NDAs, I don't see anything changing. And there was a story before that Dan doesn't even have email. You know, so there's no paper trail or proof that he has ever done any wrongdoing. What mm -hmm. I want to know is I want Congress to ask Roger Goodell, why did you ask Beth Wilkinson to give you an oral report for no paper trail? Why did you completely leave that out? Because names can be redacted. You can hide it. Because he said originally they only wanted orally to protect those that came forward. You can redact anything. You can put little black marks across a report so people's names are hidden. Oh, yeah. It was just oh, yeah. a horrible excuse by Roger. So I want to see him tap dance his way through that. Well, get your popcorn ready because you're going to see it. <laughs> oh, I'll you're be watching. Yeah, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. So tomorrow it's going to be appointment television for me. I mean, I think Pete Haley is going to be there locally from NBC watching. You know, I, I plan on trying to stream this and figure out whatever we can because, you know, I probably digest way too much Commander's Talk, but that's, again, why we started this podcast. But speaking of, you know, watching and being there in person, came out last week that the Commanders are not going to practice in Richmond. I'm bummed out about it because I enjoy going to Richmond. I love going to ZZQ. They've got some of the best barbecue out there. I love going to Vail Brewing. They've got a couple other spots out there. I'm going to have to make a separate trip now. I mean, how are you handling the fact that we're not going to be down in Richmond anymore? Well, I think it sucks. <laughs> I really do, because first off, Ashburn can't handle the amount of fans that Richmond could. Now, I know as far as the commute is concerned, people, they, they complained about the commute, and I, and I got that. I, I get it. But the fact of the matter is, you, you're doing a disservice to the people who are in the southeastern area of Virginia. You're doing a disservice to the people south of the Virginia border. There, there are a lot of people who I met from North Carolina that would drive up for training camp. They would get a hotel. I mean, I, for one, like the fact that at any given time, I don't need a ticket. I don't need a special appointment. I don't need a special invitation. I can just go and show up. But it won't be that way at Ashburn. 
I think it'll be, and I, you know what, I'm not even going to try to put a number on it, but only a select amount of people will be able to go there. It's not like Richmond. And no. that's what that's what burns me up, man. I mean, because you're, you're doing a disservice to your fans. Now, if you tell me, hey, rally captain, the reason why we're not going to Richmond is because we're saving money for Terry's contract, then I'll say I don't like it, but I'll suck it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, you you tell me some information like that no problem man i understand i get it and i do understand that as far as the money is concerned we once again we are on the the supposedly lower end of it from what they're trying to say you know from that you know they've got to put the money somewhere so if you're trying to do stadium improvements where does the money come from does it come from training camp budget does it come from, you know, you know what I mean? So you've got to pull the money. I get it. you got to pull it from somewhere. So if pulling it means that I'm going to have a better stadium experience, then, okay, I'll deal with it. If it means having Terry's contract, more money given to him, I'll deal with it. But from a purely fan point of view, it sucks. It really yeah. does. I agree with you. And some people might not know, Richmond actually paid back then the Redskins, $500,000 a year to hold camp in Richmond. So the team made money. I don't want to say they made money, but the team got paid to go down there, which covered costs. So keeping basically, yeah. Yeah, a half a million dollars. Now in 2021, they went down there for one week. 2020 camp didn't happen down there because of COVID. So 2021, the team went down there for one week. The commanders, well, I think the Washington football team at that point, I'm losing track of what the hell we've been called, paid <laughs> Richmond $100,000 to actually rent out the facility. So it cost the team hundred k to go down there last year. And we've mentioned it on previous shows. Rivera brought up the fact that it was not cost effective to bring your players down there. And I hate bringing that up constantly, but it just, it drives me crazy that it's not cost effective to help your fan base in another part of the region get to watch your team. It's not cost effective to grow the fan base when you're going through a major rebrand by calling yourself the commanders and changing everything. You don't wanna sell gear down there to people that can get access to it easier because your team store at FedEx Field's closed right now for remodeling. You know, maybe Chopper Bragg can fly by and see what they're doing inside because the doors are closed. But, <laughs> you know, why not set up shop down there in Richmond when you had the activations, and I'm throwing my hands up in air quotes when I say activations, when the name came out on 2222, you had cars driving around Richmond, handing stuff out, giving stuff away, because you know you have a fan base down there that is eager. When you and I went out to OTAs, we met people that drove from Kentucky and drove from North Carolina to come digest a OTA. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We would go down to Richmond and hang out. And it's kind of a off-season fan reunion for all of us to get together. You know, the uh, my favorite Commanders podcast is the Washington Football Talk podcast with J.P. Finley, Pete, and Mitch. They always do a big get-together down there. And it's just something that we can't get anymore because now for those fans that don't know, 
You're being put into a lottery system to see if you can get tickets to go to practice. For those of you that have not been to Ashburn, it's a gravel parking lot. And there's some grass out there whose people's cars have gotten stuck in in the past. And then you walk down a field, be careful for ticks. Uh, JP actually got bit by one last week when he was out there. So watch out. There's a ton of bugs. It's not a fun environment to go to. Richmond, you had a huge, massive hill where you could watch the team practice. You had a private area for VIPs and tents, just all this stuff. They don't have room for that in Ashburn. So you can't accommodate these fans that want to digest what you're giving us. It's just, it's a poor plan in my mind. And right now it is crucial to grow the fan base. They're yelling and screaming how they have sold more season tickets now than they have in the past couple of years. Well, then why are you limiting the fans that want to come watch you practice? I just, I don't get it, man. And it doesn't help. I, I, I told you, I don't want to ever count anyone's pocket, what's in someone's pockets, but it doesn't help that your wife has a private plane. <laughs> you have a private plane. You have uh, 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 whatever the cost is for that yacht that he has, that has to date, I believe, the only IMAX theater on the yacht. That doesn't help. If you really care about your fan base and you really care about people, you would say, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet a little bit and go ahead and put this thing back down there because I see the potential. This whole thing is about potential. Not where are you right now, but where can we be? And when you chop your foot off, you can't run fast, man. You know, we're not running out the gates like we were. You need this. We need this. The, the city needed it because let's face it. Once we got down there, you got to eat. You got to drink. And, and once again, shout out to ZZQ because their brisket, man, is some of the best brisket that I've had <laughs> this side of the border, brother. Straight up. I'm, I'm oh, here yeah. to tell you that. I'm here to tell you that. But uh, it, it's what's the word that we use? It stimulates the economy in Richmond because hotels get booked up. You know what? We could go on and on, man. And it, it, it's just I don't know who's making the decisions, but that's not a smart decision from our eyes. Maybe in their eyes, it doesn't mean anything to them, but to the true fans who want to see the team, like you said, get a, get a snapshot of them, you're dropping the ball, man. I mean, you've got to spend money to make money. And it cost them $100,000 last year to go down there. Okay, well, how much money did they make in future revenue from ticket sales, from merchandise, just different things like that? down there. They host a big, massive VIP tent out there for different businesses to buy out and then potentially sell suites to those businesses at FedEx Field. To me, it is just, it's very short-sighted. And they're saying this has nothing to do with the Virginia, I guess, taking the stadium bill off of it. But it screams like, well, you don't want to play with me? Well, I'm going to take my ball and leave. That's what it just screams to me. And perception is reality to an extent, unless you come out and explain yourself. And 
no explaining is going to happen. It is just done. We're not going to be able to go to Richmond and get together. It's closer for me to get to Ashburn. It's easier for me to get to Ashburn. But Richmond is where the fans are. And what's most important for this fan base is for all of us to get together. What's most important for this team is for all of those players to get together away from their homes, stay in a hotel, build a rapport, and build that relationship that you don't get by staying in Ashburn. None of that's going to happen. Not only that, Ted, I think, man, that that the players get a small, a smaller, how about that, a smaller sense of their fan base in Ashburn, whereas in Richmond, as I said, because of the space, they can actually feel appreciated with the amount of fans that could show up and give them their praise, man. I mean, people, I, I have to say, this year, probably since, um, I'm going to say 2012, with with uh, or actually 2013, Richmond was packed 2013 after the RG3 experiment. Well, I should well, that say was the first year we were down there. 2013 yeah. was the first year. So 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 it was packed. People wanted to see the team. There was a lot of buzz. Well, this year we have a lot of buzz for a team that hasn't played yet under the new name. There's a lot of buzz circulating around, and people are generally excited to see them. Give them an opportunity to see them, because you know for a fact, and just like you said, it's going to be a lottery system. And if I lose out, then that puts a sour taste in my mouth. You know, people say, well, screw it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with them. Right now, speaking of which, right now, I'm getting a ton of emails and a ton of DMs saying, hey, you know what? I wanted to see them for this event, but I never got an email about it. So I'm really reconsidering how I want to handle things this year. When you, yeah. drop the, when you drop the ball on so many other things and now this, it's like, you know what? Okay, I was on the fence before, but now I'm, I'm done. I don't want to deal with it anymore. It's little things like that that go such a long way with the people, man. It does. And we're, we're beating a dead horse, but it just comes down to the fact that this is a new regime that's in place. These are all new people. So everything that happened when Bruce was here and all of that is gone. Now we've got the new people and all we can do is judge them by their actions or lack thereof. And right now, this is just another huge just X on their part for me because you are stopping your fans from enjoying things. Yes, you're having an open practice at FedEx Field that I'm looking forward to. Last year it was Friday Night Lights. This year they're moving it to Saturday. Kind of screws up my weekend, but I still plan on being there. That oh, is yeah. open to the public. Go to Ticketmaster right now. Get your tickets. Doesn't cost you a single thing. I'm not throwing a tailgate. I will be hanging out on club level, eating some Smith Mountain Creamery ice cream. Come find me. Come find Rally. That's open. So, yes, you're getting that right. But that is just one night. And that still does not take care of the fans that aren't going to want to drive up from the Carolinas to go to FedEx Field because of the fact that it's FedEx Field. And they don't want to get a hotel out there, do any of that stuff. I just hope that the team store will be reopened by then. Because it's closed now. So you can't even go buy gear or do anything. 
So well, it would it would only make sense that they that the store be done. And I'm hoping that they're working around the clock to get it done. And I'm actually still hoping that uh, we talked about it last episode, but I'm hoping that the personalized New Jersey's can be uh, set up by then as well. People have been bugging me about that. I don't know. We know the kids are out, the kid sizes are out, but not the adults. And and going back to something that you said, as far as that practice is concerned, you know, one thing that I'm really looking forward to is they're having the taste of FedEx field that night for practice that Saturday. So we're a lot of different vendors. And you mentioned the ice cream company, Smith Mountain. I want to taste a lot of the other vendors that are going to be in the stadium to taste that that DMV food that a lot of people have grown to love. So I'm looking forward to it. I am. It's great, but I don't think that's going to be open to everybody. I think that's a ticketed event. Now, don't quote me on that, but that's how they did it the year prior. And it was ticketed for, I don't know if it was Washington Gold members or how it worked out. So just make sure, and I'll get details as it gets closer from the team on how that happens. Obviously, you know, I got a spot for you anytime, but it just... That used to be its own event. That was never thrown in with another event. So you would go out there another day of the week and it screams to me that it's a cost-saving move. We don't wanna open the stadium up another night. So let's just have it the same night. Whereas people go to the taste of FedEx Field event because it is a fun time. You get to taste all the food vendors. People will go to this practice because it's a fun time. We only get so many things to do during the off season. Why combine them? Give me more things to digest as a fan slash food. Give me more excuses to go out to FedEx field. I am definitely a minority where I love that place. Any chance I can get to go back out there, I want to do. Don't pigeonhole them all into one where now none of them are done very well. Or now I'm missing practice outside and stuff I want to see because I'm inside eating a crab egg roll. By the way, those things are delicious from the uh, crabby place up on the club. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> they, they are, man. They are. Well, hey, you know, when it comes down to it, I am with you. We're the minority. And uh, because I do enjoy going to FedEx Field, you know, I'm... I'm 50 miles in between Richmond and 50 miles in between DC, but FedEx field is home and people say it's a dump. Yep. But it's my dump. <laughs> it's my dump. Yep. Oh, I'm right I, there with you. So my clothes are on the floor at my dump. My trash is in under my seat at my dump. So be it. That's just how it is. So we can keep it moving. Oh yeah, the railing falls off my banister. It's okay. It's my banister. I don't care. Yeah. You know, but speaking of dump, our uh, good old friend Bobby, RG three felt Bobby like three sticks. felt like having a just regurgitation of tweets just a couple of days ago, and here's two that he sent out about the commanders. I don't know if he was just bored on Father's Day, just didn't have anything going on, but he just felt like he would grace us with his wisdom. And I'm being very sarcastic when I say that. But he <laughs> said, this is the most dynamic commander's offense in the last decade. Solid O-line, playmaking tight end, 
explosive running back room with Antonio Gibson as the lead dog. Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel leading the wide receiver room with depth behind them. Carson Wentz has a lot to work with. I don't know why Commanders fans care what this man tweets about a team that he was trying to write a tell-all book about. And I'm going to have to assume someone sent him a cease and desist because that book is no longer coming out. I don't know why anyone cares what he has to say anymore because he had one year here. You mentioned it earlier, 2012. Other than that, he didn't do anything. I've got a RG3 authentic jersey sitting in my closet. If somebody buys me a case of beer, I will give it to you at the commander's Saturday Night Lights practice. Damn. The thing is beautiful. You can have it. It's just sitting in my closet, pissing me off every time I see it, knowing how much money I pay for that thing. I don't know why he thinks we even care about this guy, but just analyze what he said. Solid O-line. We've got a center coming off of a major surgery. We've got two new guards. So O-line doesn't seem as solid as it was last year where it was top 10 in the league. Playmaking tight end coming off of a reconstructed knee surgery. I think he's ACL, MCL, and PCL. Don't quote me on all three of those, but it was a bunch of CLs that happened to him that he is coming off of, and he's not going to be ready most likely week one. Explosive running back room, Antonio Gibson as a lead dog. Okay, I'll give Robert that. AG is explosive, and he's a lead dog, but I'm not excited about AG. I'm excited about Brian Johnson. I'm excited about what that kid's been doing, other than the fact that he's been getting chewed out by Coach Randy Jordan for missing blocking assignments. Everything I'm hearing coming out of camp is awesome. Hmm, okay. Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel leading the wide receiver room. Terry's not under contract. Dotson hasn't taken a single snap in the NFL. And Curtis Samuel missed minicamp and missed OTAs out of an abundance of caution. He just showed up one day. So Carson has a lot to work with. To me, yes, there is potential, but there are so many glaring question marks around that offense that I wouldn't be pointing this out. I am more excited about the offense because of what we can do. I'm more concerned about the defense, which we'll get to in a minute. But, I mean, what do you think about Robert coming out with this? Well, first thing I'll say is this. To a degree, I respect what he's saying. And the reason why I say I respect what he's saying is because the man has, 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 has taken his career off the field into becoming a sports analyst. So I'll respect it. I'm not a sports analyst, so I'll give him his props. A lot of people may not. So I'm, I'm disassociating what he did here to his analyst side of the house. Um, like you said, and I'm not going to, 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 to go agree with everything, but I do believe that we look good on paper as far as certain parts of the offense are concerned. Paper, but paper, God dang it, doesn't play the game. Okay. How, how do we put it all together? And until I see that, I will take it as a grain of salt. But I do know that he does analyze things a lot deeper than I ever could. He watches a lot more film than I ever would. 
that's what he gets paid to do. So I'll listen to it to a degree, but I'll also use my own eyes to see what I need to see. And like you said, with the injuries are concerned, we've got a lot of making up to do. I think they're looking at what it was quoted that we were, our offensive line was sixth in the league last year, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's what he could be going off of. But at this point, it means nothing. And I don't want to get into a situation where, once again, you're reading your freaking press clippings. Because I honestly believe last year, the defense read their press clippings and we see what happened. You're not that good yet. You're working, you're building to get there, but you're not that good yet. Offensive line was probably the best line, if you want to say, last year. Even after all of the injuries are concerned, those guys still stuck stuck it together or stuck through it together to come through with some positive numbers. And I and I and I'll say this: I believe if if it's a, it's a little knock on Heineke, but I believe if we had a better quarterback, that even with the line the the the, the makeshift line that we had, things would have been a lot better. But Heineke was was fighting and scratching for everything that he could get at his capable capable level. So I can't knock it, but that offense to me was okay, even though it was makeshift. No, John Matsko, I think it's Matsko, is the offensive line coach, and he did an amazing job last year with moving pieces. I remember a game that we played against Seattle where their quarterback was introducing himself to linemen coming off the street in the locker room the day of the game. So we've had horrible lines here and we've had a ton of problems, but they're doing a great job with it or they did a great job with last year's line. One thing about the NFL that does not carry over is the prior year's progress. I remember when we made it to the playoffs and lost to Seattle and I'm thinking, oh, we're going to be great. Well, multiple years we've lost to Seattle in the playoffs. We'll be great next year will be awesome. It's just going to carry over, carry over. It doesn't work that way. The way the NFL sets the league up is, you know, we all know when we went seven and nine, won the NFC East, we had the toughest schedule last year. So how do we fare against that tough competition? Well, you know, we S the bed. Didn't do well at all. This year, we're going to have an easier schedule. We don't play as many people. But that offensive line continuity is not there. John Matsko, I'm sure, will do a great job getting these new guys up to speed and gelling. But how is Ruye going to be coming back from that injury? Charles Leno missed part of minicamp because he's hurt. Rivera actually brought it up and said he had some concerns about what happened there. So I just, we've all seen on paper. We all remember Bruce Smith coming here, Deion Sanders coming here. You know, Brad Johnson coming here. Uh, who was the guy, that quarterback? Jeff George. Just this super team that Snyder. Dream team, yeah. yeah. He put together back then, and we were all excited. I remember them handing out Deion Sanders Redskins bandanas. I hated that son of a bitch because he played for the Cowboys. Now he's wearing burgundy and gold. And you want me to put on that bandana? No, I took that thing and threw it in the trash when they handed it to me. Because <laughs> to me, once a Cowboy, always a Cowboy. But on paper, it made sense. On paper, you know, Montez Sweat, 
who is it? Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Deron Payne. Oh, John Allen, four first rounders all make sense. Paper doesn't mean a damn thing because we know what happened last year when those guys were in. One and a half sacks for Chase in nine games. Our defense was horrible. But here, Robert says, the D-line, commander's D-line showing up is more important than which Carson Wentz shows up. Four first-round picks on the defensive front has to equal dominance. Stop fighting on the sideline and start fighting in the trenches, in all caps. Stop the run, own the line of scrimmage, and create havoc. I want to name him Robert Obvious, but I don't agree with him that the D-line showing up is more important than Carson Wentz. Because this offense has the potential to actually be something because Carson has weapons that he talked about in his previous tweet. We saw what happened to the defense when Chase and Montez went down last year, and they actually performed better than when those four first-round picks were in. So don't tell me that everything hinges on those four guys up front succeeding and dominating. I don't buy it. No. Yeah. I, we, we saw what Heineke did. And I think that with a little better talent at the, at the helm, we can do a lot more. It's just a matter of getting them together and doing it. But we know that once again, paper is nothing. It means nothing. Let's put it all together on the field. And I'm, and I, for one, can't wait to see it. And it reminds me of what Coach Sampisi said when we had the private little gold get together out there. And he said a coach's job is to get a nine to play like a nine, a five to play like a five, meaning that is your ceiling. That is how good you can be in a rating system. If a nine plays like a one, which I think Chase did last year, then the coaches aren't doing their job. If a nine plays like a nine, like John Allen did last year, then the coach is doing his job and the player is doing his job. But until all of those things equal out, you know, four people does not make a team, does not dictate how good we're going to do. The quarterback touches that ball every single chance. And I just, I look back at that playoff game versus the Bucks. Chase came in there and called out Tom Brady. It's like, you have got to be kidding me. I understand he's a rookie, but I remember when Mike Sellers called out the fans in Seattle saying, it's not that loud. Well, you know what, Mike? <laughs> I lost my hearing that game in Seattle for the playoffs because you gave them motivation to prove that it was that loud. And Chase yeah. gave Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and that staff and that team bulletin board material to game plan for you and you got blocked by a tight end rob gronkowski not even their tackle you weren't even being double teamed that game you yeah. got shut down by a tight end by the way that just retired today for the third time you know just, what man at, 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 at this point man let me tell you something this team needs to be like a fart silent but deadly that <laughs> seriously I don't want to hear any more talking. No one wants to hear it. Short on the field. Show up like a fart. Silent but deadly. And I'm going to stick with that one. 
I was trying to yeah. see where you were going with that. I, I'm going to have to add a fart sound effect in here just because <laughs> it's not going to be silent, though. But, I mean, talking about press clippings, pro football focus is, I mean, they're out there. You hear all of these media reporters and people reference them. They are somewhat the go-to standard when it comes to rating systems. I'm going to read something to you. And you tell me what year you think this was written. When a team invests four consecutive first-round picks into one unit, this is a result they're hoping for. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young all look to be impact starters through the early stages of their NFL careers. Allen and Sweat in particular took clear steps forward. Now, going a little bit further, Pro Football Focus last year had the commanders ranked second in defensive line because of that talent saying that Allen's campaign in 2020 was somewhat overshadowed by Washington's starting edge tandem. His 17.1% pass rush win rate was top 10 mark among all interior defensive linemen and his interior pass rushing skills beyond the starters as well. I mean, the second thing I'm going to read you, Expectations were sky high for Washington's defensive line and defensive overall entering last season. There were a few more disappointing performances in Washington's defense ending, I'm not going to say the year, ranking them X in yardage. It's reasonable to bank on some regression, but with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, John Allen, and Deron Payne back, we're expecting this D-line to be dominant. You think the first statement was written last year or this year? Well, I'm going to say because they they dominated on subpar teams, it was it was it was last year. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to I'm going to assume. I haven't read that article, but uh, or haven't seen that article. So I'm going to say based upon their their elevated play against subpar teams, that article was written last year. Okay, so 2021. Mm-hmm. So 2021, Pro Football No, no, Focus. 2020 for 2021, okay. yeah. Gotcha. So Pro Football Focus had the commanders ranked second in 2021, leading going into the season. Yes. Where do you think they're ranking us this year? Just the defensive line, just those four first-round picks. Huh. Gee, man, uh, 32 teams. Um, I'm going to say middle of the pack. That's where I'd put them. Yeah, middle of the pack. I'm not an expert by any means, but that's where I would put them. Pro Football Focus has the commanders ranked second. That is two. Dose. I don't want to hear that. I don't. Hey, if anybody, players, Chase, Sweat, Payne, Allen, don't read that. Don't read that. Don't put yourself on a pedestal because what happened last year, you know. See that you know that you guys didn't play to that potential to be quoted second. Now, can you be second? Oh, I feel you definitely can, but I think you need some help. You need some help. You're gonna need some help. Don't buy into it, fellas. Your pros, you've been playing, you've been playing football probably since Pop Warner. Pop Warner, junior high, high school, college, and now pro. Don't read into it. Just be silent and deadly. That's all I ask. (laughs) 
We're going to have to when, put that on a T-shirt, man. Hey, you know what? I need the commanders to play like a fart. <laughs> Silent but deadly. <laughs> hey, man, straight up, man. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to hear that BS, man, because it gives people false security. It just does. You're placing expectations on you if you read those type of clippings. And last year, Chase and Montez said they're going to be the Sack Brothers and break the record. So you hope that there's some humility and that they learn from that mistake. You hope. But I want to actually see that happen on the field. And I don't get where PFF is getting these rankings. They put the commanders ahead of the Packers, the Steelers, the Bucks, the 49ers, just to name a couple. So the team actually brought in someone to help them last week. Warren Sapp joined the team during day two and day three of minicamp. So Sapp was the, let's see here, Martin Mayhew and Sapp were together before, and he actually worked with Jeff Zagonina. I guess he's the assistant defensive line coach. So those of you that haven't seen it, this is what Warren said when he was out there to reporters. The guys inside Allen and Payne in particular probably. Oh, I love them. I love those two dudes. I mean, boy, Jesus, they're just thick. <laughs> they're bowling ball and butcher now. So now I'm just trying to get out of that two gap. Let's go forward. Let's build a camp in the backfield three yards deep. Penetration kill all running plays. Penetration disrupt the timing of an offense. And no quarterback wants that kitchen in his living room. No way. I mean, come on, man. And then you got these ends coming off with Chase and Sweat. Fellas, let's set the stage. They'll take him off. I guarantee you. So just work together as a unit. That's all I'm trying to get them to understand. Work together as a unit. Work every day. And what you put in this game, you'll definitely get out of it. Is it hard for them, because sometimes you have that kind of talent, to realize the importance of working as a unit? Because it's no. all the time? No. Because the lone wolf dies. No wolf eats all by himself. But a pack? Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't want them nowhere near you. So that's why I want a pack of wolves. And when they rush like wolves and they rush together, good things will come to all of them. You want to get into coaching? I no, the hours are too long. I have to have, <laughs> I have, to have a head coach and a, and a defensive coordinator that'll let me leave by 10 o'clock. I mean, no way. There's no way I'm going to be over here past midnight. Unbelievable. I, Money Kiffin used to sleep at the job. Sleep there. He never left. I'm like, no way, man. I, I put 12 hours in, no doubt. 7 to 7, I'll do that. But anything after that, man, I got to go home, man. Come on. You got to go home. Got to refresh. If you, you don't want to get in coaching, what, why did you want to be out here? I can't die with this knowledge. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. I mean, I, this ain't coaching. This is fun for me. I'm sharing my 13 years in the National Football League with the young men that now don't take this game until the next the 22nd century. You see what I'm saying? You have to make this game better. And the way you make it better is sharing the knowledge that you have. I didn't know if they would be receptive to it. They may be like, ah, you think you know every damn thing. You got your gold jacket, go and shove it up your ass. Whatever it may be. But they were real receptive to it. And I only talked in one way. A group about the quarterback mounting a rush. But that's all I know. That's my specialty. So I'm just trying to give them the message. And they were real receptive to it. I, I really like this group. I don't know about you, but I got goosebumps when I was going through Twitter and seeing that Warren was out there, seeing all the defensive drills he was doing with Chase, with Sweat, everybody else, and just hearing him talk about the potential for these guys. But a couple of key things he said, 
No wolf eats by himself, but a pack. Oh my God, you don't want them nowhere near you. This is why I want these guys to go to Richmond. This is why I want the team to get away. Because you hear stories about the five o'clock club and the old hogs just getting together, building that relationship. Yes, it's a new era. Yes, it's different now. But there's something to be said when you go away to camp and you're stuck there without your creature comforts. You can't just jump on Xbox and hang out and just sit in your mansion out there in Ashburn and just relax and have someone rub your feet. You got to sit there and hang out in a cafeteria with your teammates. And you're talking about how you failed last year and how we need to be a pack and not a lone wolf, like Warren just told us. That's what pisses me off when I don't feel that everyone is on the same page on what is it going to take to get this team to live up to their potential, to get these nines to play like nines. Man, I can appreciate Warren coming in and giving the encouraging words, but at some point in time, and I'm going to go back to my military days, where is the intestinal fortitude? Where is it? Because at the end of the day, it's mano a mano. How bad do you want to get past the guy that's in front of you to get to the quarterback? I don't need to see lip service. I don't need to hear lip service. I need you to show me on the field. And Warren Sapp, I can appreciate it. But right now, this is just camp. Will it convey? Like my doggone uh, furniture that I'm trying to buy my house. Does the furniture convey? I need to know, does it convey? If it doesn't, it's all smoke and mirrors, man. And I, it sounds good. I'll give them that. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? How often is he going to be out there to stay in their butts? I think he said it was just for that day. Or am, am I am I correct or am I wrong? I mean, no, I he was wrong. Yeah, he was just there for two days. He only came out as a favor to Martin Mayhew. He's okay, not well, a coach. He doesn't want to be a coach. You know, I think he's going to come back during training camp. I'm not exactly sure. He has no plans to go visit the Raiders, who we played for back in the day. He was on Rich Eisen's show just the other day talking about it because people were surprised to see him in commander's gear. It was just, you know, a favor for Martin. Well, Mar ad Martin, ask him again to come back and, and maybe stick around a little bit because two days in shirt and shells means nothing. I'm a, I, that's just how I believe it, man. It no, means I'm nothing right there to with me. It. I, it means nothing to me. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I'm glad that we they did have a spark because we, we oftentimes need a spark, but sparks die out. Give me the damn flame. I need flame. I need kindling. I need all of that to be able to put it together. And at this point, I don't believe it. So that's where I've got an issue because they are paid to play a game. You should not need a Warren Sapp to come in and motivate you to do your job. Your job is to go after that ball. The problem I have is they are playing like individuals, like lone wolves. And we saw that last year with Chase not keeping contained, Montez not keeping contained, quarterbacks just stepping right up 
in a gap that they left. Whereas if you play as a team, as a unit, then everybody's going to eat. Some people could say that this unit, which was your strongest on the team years prior, because you've got these four first round picks, is now weaker because you don't have the depth, because you lost an Ioannidis and you lost a settle. And you don't know if Chase is going to be back week one. And we talked about it. I don't want him back week one. You don't want him back week one unless he's 100% healthy. And all you added was Phil Mathis, a second round pick out of Alabama and not trying to knock that kid. But he also has not played a down in the NFL. So a long way to go. Yep. A long way to go. So is this going to be a dominant defensive line? Is it going to be ranked number two, according to PFF? I don't think so. And if they don't take Sapp's advice and actually listen to him, I don't think they'll be top 15 because they're playing like individuals. My concern is Duran is in a contract year. He needs to ball out. Is he going to ball out for Duran or is he going to ball out for the team and do what's best for the team? Take on those double teams to help David Mayo, to help Jamin Davis and to help Cole Holcomb behind him make those tackles. I want to know if this defense is actually going to be a pack together or do they just care about themselves? And that's obviously too early to tell now, but we'll see as training camp gets here. And as we start getting in the first couple of weeks of the season. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I feel as though they learned a valuable lesson last year. And I'm just going to say it, that Dallas game, I think that after that game, they learned a valuable lesson. And it's sad that it took that long to get to that point. But I, I honestly believe that that was a turning point for them to, to say to themselves, what the hell are we doing? I mean, come on, guys. What realistically are we doing? And they tried to to, to play it off in the media. Oh, we're brothers. You know, we've been through this before. No, that, that's some bullshit. You know, I ain't buying that with your money. Those guys were upset with each other, point blank. Now, were they able to squash it? Maybe. But some of that same feelings could be going into this year. At the end of the day, we're human beings. Deron wants his money as well. And right now, he's sour. But what do they always say? The way you make up for that is don't talk about it. Show us on tape. Show, show the other 31 teams exactly what you truly feel. Put it on tape. You, the money is going to come if you do the right thing. That's, but you got to do the right thing. And anytime you give that negativity of fighting your player on the sidelines, you know, doing this other type of stuff that, that, looks, that looks childish now, to the public eye, it looks childish. To the team may know more than what we do, being behind the scenes, obviously. But from the outside looking in, it looks like he's being childish. It just does. He may not be. So before I go too further, too far into that, it, he may not be, but it just looks that way. Put it all together. Put it behind you. You're playing for a contract. This is your contract year. You're playing for it. So put your best stuff on tape. 
and let it work itself out. Yeah, and for me, I just want them to play within the system. Del Rio is supposed to have this amazing system. You know, Jerry's still out. He, our defense got worse last year. And there's just a lot going on. But yeah. they have always said, if you play within the system and do it our way, that's all I want. I don't want these guys going out there trying to do things on their own. Because if you've got one guy that is not doing what he's supposed to, someone else is trying to pick up his slack. And next thing you know, everybody's just out of alignment. And you can yeah. see. And I hope and pray that this defense can turn it around because they're the side of the ball that I am most concerned about. Whereas they were supposed to be a strength for us going into last year. I didn't have a ton of faith in that defense going into last year before the season started because I had a running tally on all the quarterbacks we played in 2020 when we barely won the division. Knowing who was going to be on the docket in 2021, this year's another story. We've got easier people that we're going against. We've got easier teams, but they are also paid professionals. So prove that you are worth that pedigree and that first round pick of where you should be. And mm -hmm. that you can learn from your past mistakes. If you can't prove that, then when it's time to extend Montez, don't do it. It's time to extend Chase, don't do it. Let them walk, let them go someplace else. That fifth yeah. year option, don't exercise it because if they can't learn and they don't improve, I don't want them here anymore. Yeah, exactly, man. But I'm curious, knowing that this is something that the team did this year, what past teammate or past player the staff as coach would you want them to bring in next? Let's just say that this is a theme that they're going to do in training camp too. Who would you want the team to bring in? Well, you know what, man? Um, hmm. Let me see. I probably would go old school. All right. Older, older school. And I'd probably bring in the hangman. You know who the hangman was, don't you? You remember him? Oh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd have to go with Chris Hamburger. I mean, now, granted, you can't get away with the things that he did back then, but the dude was solid. You know, he was the, the quarterback on the defense, and he had that old school mentality of how to play football. You know, I think a lot of times right, right now, we've got that, that, that new school of arm tackling. I don't know where that came from, but, you know, back then, hey, man, they put the face mask in the player's chest and drove, drove their feet, man, and, and drug them to the ground. This old arm tackling or, you know, whiff, whiffing, if you, if you want to call it that, you know, we, we see it so much. But, but, but back then, they practiced two-a-days. They went harder on the players, whereas now you don't have that same fire, I believe. You know, the fundamentals, when it all comes down to it, it's the fundamentals of football, and it ain't changed. It hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is speed and different, uh, what do you call it, different um, sets, if you will. But football is still football at the end of the day. So that's who I would bring in, if, if, if he could still coach or whatever have you, to give you that old school approach with a little bit of new school. But I'm going old school because they knew how to how to hit. I, I hear you there. And that, that's a good one. For those of you that 
are too young to remember. He played for the Redskins from 65 to 78. He was a five-time All-Pro, second-team All-Pro in 74, nine Pro Bowls. He's one of the 80 greatest Redskins, and he's in the ring of fame. And I actually know him, and I'm happy to introduce you to him oh, down yeah. the road. I'd love to do that, and I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times. He is from North Carolina, so Rivera, Carolina connection, who knows? Maybe he can kind of tug on that string and bring him in here. But I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. Okay. And I want them to bring in Wilbur Marshall. Ah. Wilbur played with Rivera on the 85 Bears, part of that defense. And he was on the 91 Redskins Super Bowl team had a ton of amazing plays. I wore 58 because I loved Wilbur Marshall. Yeah. I want Wilbur to come in and talk to these linebackers that we have and teach them how to play the game, similar to what Warren was saying to the defensive line. I want someone to talk to that position group specifically because I feel that that's the weakest position group we have on the team. And they need to improve. And who wouldn't get motivated by a guy that's won two Super Bowls and did it at the highest level and also played with your coach? Because I have a feeling Wilbur probably has a couple of stories he could tell when the cameras are off about Rivera from back in the day. Get those guys fired up, yeah. Oh, yeah. So someone like that, Marty, Ron, bring Wilbur out to practice. I mean, rumor is he lives in Florida. Well, the Snyder's got two private jets. Send one to Florida, <laughs> bring it over to Dulles, and have Wilbur talk to these guys during training camp and hang out and let them learn from him, be around him, and motivate them to potentially be an actual defensive linebackers of like a quartet out there that are going to be good or a trio. Well, well, you know, they, 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 they'll fly the plane to cans, but uh, they won't take it to Florida because they'll say gas prices are too high. <laughs> yeah, I guess it might be cheaper out there, conversion rate going out to Paris or <laughs> Nice, wherever the hell that thing is. Yeah. But I would love for the team to, you know, do things like that. And I was excited to see Warren out there. And I'm excited to see what else they're going to do because it, it always – surprises me how there are some players that you have to motivate as if that paycheck isn't motivation enough as if the fact that you are playing a game that millions of people would kill to play you we say that but it, and i and i've said it before and i'll say it again ted at the end of the day brother it's a job and there are times when people are just fed up with their job for whatever reason, even though they make the amount of money that they make. So I get it. I really do. And I made mention to uh, his name, just the coach uh, for the Chargers. Um, he coached for us and we let him go. Chargers. Coach. Not Chargers. Not Chargers. Um, anyway, short guy. Memory like a like a like a like a stone. Who's who's the kid? The guy, young guy, youngest winning coach. He just won the Super Bowl. Oh, McVay. McVay. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, had, a, I, had, I had a brain fart. Rams, not Chargers. Both LA teams. You know, chalk it up to my mind, not my heart. But anyway, 
McVay motivates his players, bro. And we talked about that. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna stay on it, but we talked about it. And the fact is, when you see your coach jumping up and down, giving you attaboys, that fires your team up, man. Cause now I want to add a boy too. I want to be able to get my little bonus. I want to be able to, to do the coach leads the ship and his attitude, I believe dictates everybody else's attitude. And that's all I'm going to say about that, man. No. And we don't get to see all of practice when the media is out there, they're only out there for a certain portion of practice. So we don't know what is happening when everyone leaves the field, but it's just not, Rivera you don't see him giving that excitement and that passion you heard how he chewed those guys out when Jeremy Reeves knocked out Deami Brett and yeah. now Rivera got fined a hundred thousand dollars not just because of that but apparently there was another play when the NFL competition committee and everyone reviewed the tape there was another play when someone else got hit you know you heard Rivera yell and scream and curse when that happened I want to see more of that as a fan, I want to see that you care when we lose. And Jim Zorn, when he was here, and man, those were tough. That was a tough yeah. year. But he always talked about staying medium. I'm sorry, but medium be damned. I remember a story that Brian Mitchell was saying, how Coach Gibbs went into the locker room and flipped over the Gatorade table and almost cursed. Coaches never curse, but he almost cursed. And when he did that and he showed that emotion, his players knew he was serious mm -hmm. and that they needed to get their act together. This is year three on a five-year deal. You know, I need to see something out of Rivera that shows me he can motivate these young men to perform the way they are expected to. He needs to get these nines to play like nines. He needs to get these first-round draft picks to actually do what they should be doing. And yes, it's a job in the end, but it's also a game. And if you don't do your job, you get fired from your job. You get let go from your job. That's right. And talked about it earlier, maybe we don't exercise that option on some of these guys because they're not doing their job. Meanwhile, well, they, they, they don't want, they don't want to, they don't want to look stupid. And I'm sorry for cutting you out, but they don't want to look stupid. No, it's, but I just, I hate how much the NFL puts towards a draft pick because you are a draft pick. You should be better than someone else that hustled. Well, guess what? Kurt Warner should prove all of that wrong. Yes, there aren't a ton of him out there, but to me, it should be about talent, not about draft position. I remember over the years, there were running backs who came in that we drafted a lot further down the actual depth chart round-wise versus guys that were drafted higher, but they didn't get the reps because he wasn't as high a draft pick. If someone is busting their butt and doing what they're supposed to do, you reward them with more playing time. You reward them because they did what they needed to in practice and showed it to you. And I don't feel that the NFL does that anymore. Yeah, you got a lot of doggone uh, diamonds in the rough, but it's just a matter of, like you said, that primetime guy is the one who is the one who uh, is getting the, the, the show when you got to brush that dirt off that other guy to present that diamond.
And I'm just hoping that some of these diamonds in the rough we have, like I'm hearing an F.A. Obata and hearing about Cole Turner actually get brushed off and shined up in training camp. And man, I can't wait to go to training camp with you out there in Ashburn. If any of y'all are headed out there too, let us know if you won some lottery tickets. And we're we'll looking forward to catching up with y'all out there. But that's uh, episode four of the Mess Hall. Well, thank you all for sticking through it with us. Please do us a favor, click on subscribe. You're listening, there's a subscribe button up there someplace. Until next time, the boy Tailgate Ted. Yes, you rally captain. And remember, rep it hard or don't rep it at all. Peace. And it's summer